Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, we're joined by David Mullins, all the way over on the west coast of Ireland. David, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be here. Delighted to have you. Typical fashion with the show, focus on three main areas, early influences, challenges, pivotal moments. We'll make it a conversation throughout. So if I've done my research correctly, you grew up in Galway? Yeah, correct. What was life like growing up out west in Ireland? Any standout favorite memories? Um, it was a lot of fun. We've been a big family, so I'm the eldest of six. So there was always a lot of people around, not just siblings, but like friends and, and cousins and stuff. So it was always a, a packed house and a lot going on. And sport was always a huge, big part of, of our household. Um, my, my dad and my uncles would have played sport and, and, and been obsessed with it. And same same with us then as we, we just kind of inherited it. So it was always a huge, big part of our, of our family growing up. Have you got a favorite sports? Do you watch or play? Um, I, I'll 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 watch too much to be honest with you. Like um, I played soccer, Gaelic football. That that were the ones I did most. Um, but I've also even played American football for DCU, and I played. Wow. Um, I I still I do jujitsu, still compete in jujitsu as well. Um, in nice. So, but I'll I'll trust me. I like I'll watch pretty much everything. Interesting. Interesting. So you grew up in a fairly sporty household. This kind of conversation will uh, be based around sports and exercise psychology. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, who do you think had the biggest impact on you growing up? Any sports stars or family members or local business people that had a big impact or influence on you while you were growing up? Um, I'd say it's my dad. Um, so he... Um, he was a really good player, he, like in soccer, Gaelic football, and hurling. He was he was really good. Um, but he was my coach then when I was a kid as well. Um, coached my under twelve soccer team. Coached me from seventeen up um, in Gaelic football. So um, he coached lots of teams around the around the area in Galway. So he was definitely an influence because obviously when your dad's a coach. And and as your coach, that's an influence. But I liked his coaching style. As I as I moved on and played at different levels and, and played for different people, I realized that his coaching style was was really good. Um, and it was a kind of he he created a kind of a culture and an environment that um, you know, it, it, you take it for granted when you're young, but then you realize when, in other places that it's actually that has been formed that culture and that is not an accident. And, uh, you know, so I appreciate, appreciate that stuff. I got even more appreciation as I got older and got into the sports psychology side of things. You mind me asking now, looking back as a sports psychologist, what do you think was good or the fundamentals that your dad laid down that made him a good coach? I think um, one of the big things was the, 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 the togetherness in a squad, the feeling like we're all part of it. So not everyone's going to play. But even the lads that weren't weren't playing, like they weren't even getting game time a lot of the time, they still felt like they were a big part of the whole thing. It, it was a it was a fun part, to, uh, fun dressing room, fun fun place to be. 
you'd look forward to training, you'd look forward to matches, look forward to hanging out with the lads. It was a really positive, um, just, I guess, just a fun environment. And But then there was, there was you know, there was rules as well laid down that, you know, you had to, uh, you had to adhere to and people knew that if they went outside of that, um, that there would be consequences. So there was, it wasn't just, um, you know, all nicey nicey. There was, there was some, uh, some boundaries as well that were, mm. that were enforced. So everyone knew where they stood. Everyone knew their role within the team that when the team went out, everyone was clear on what their role was, what they were, what they were asking themselves to do, what they were being asked to do. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, a really enjoyable culture to be part of. I noticed that you first went to university or college, uh, depending on the listener, whatever they call it, to do business and marketing. Mm -hmm. What influenced you to then go and study sports psychology? I went to college first to go to college, I guess. Um, right. So I, I, I was I, like for business and marketing, I, I didn't be honest with you, have too much interest in marketing, but I, I just fell into it kind of thing. Mm. Um, but I was always trying to find a way to work in sports. Um, even, even back then I was doing, so I had played with Go United and then I was doing some work with Go United um, on the business side when, when Nick Leeson was there, um, just trying to get involved in, in, in the sports side of things. But I, I wanted to be actually really involved. I wanted to be on the, on the actual sports side of things, not the business side of things and mm. be the business side of things for a little while, just reinforced that I wanted to be on the sports side of things, not the business side of things. Um, okay. so I, uh, I had, from a young enough age, I guess, like as in teenager, early twenties, um, became aware of sports psychology, but not really sure what it was. Um, so I, I was fascinated by the idea, but I'd seen like I I'm big into American sports as well. So I'd seen a lot of American athletes talking about, um, you know, some of the the mental training they were doing. Some guys in the NBA and and, and guys in the NFL. So I, I looked into that kind of thing, and I just became obsessed with it to the point where. Um, ended up being my masters, um, and 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 uh, having to like I had to do bridging courses in psychology and all this kind of stuff to qualify to get into my to my masters course. I've got a lot of questions around the sports, the psychology side of things. Before we get into that, because that will be the main core part of our conversation today. A couple of things I know about you. I like to get the guests or the listeners to feel like they know the guests. They now know you grew up in Galway and impact and early influences, but. You're a, you're a dog owner, a father. You you yeah. own a guitar or play the guitar. I don't know if it's answered yes to both. Oh, I I I um I just turned forty last year, and my wife bought me a guitar because nice. um I've been talking about doing it, but I'd never done it. So um and especially during the you know the, during the lockdown and everything, it was a great time to learn. So she mm. bought a guitar for my birthday, and I've been jamming I, away practicing and playing and, and and again just became obsessed with it um so making sure i get my 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 time every day practicing and working on it and um it's like any it's like any skill it's like it's the same learning guitar is the same as learning jujitsu is the same as playing sports it's the same as anything it's just how much time are you going to put into it how dedicated are you going to be to it um how much are you learning from from what you've already done and um and, the, and then you will see the the improvements over time and 
I can actually now play a few things where people can recognize what it is, which is, you know, congrats. Uh, it's pretty cool. You've also played football at a relatively decent level. You mentioned Galway United. Is there anything yeah. that you're into or curious about that not a lot of people would know about you? Um, what I'm into that a lot, I don't know. I mean, um, I'm, I'm big into traveling and seeing other cultures, I guess. So um, I have, I've traveled a lot, um, um, been to every continent at this stage and spent a decent amount of time in places like Vietnam, Zambia, Peru, um, just where it's completely different culture. But um, I just love experiencing that kind of throwing myself in, um, trying to find out how, how things really work over there. Um, going past that kind of superficial level where they the tourists are uh, tend to tend to be and want to want to get to get to know people and what's what's really going on. So that's that's a big thing. There's a few places left I want to go. I want to go to Japan that I haven't been. Uh, there's a few other places I want to see. But yeah, I've been lucky enough so far to to travel as much as I have. Dope. Getting into sports, um, there's kind of two. Th- two forks in the road you can either go down team sport for example hurling gaelic football you're part of a team or individual sport you reference jiu-jitsu um i imagine i imagine that a loss in a individual sport is harder to overcome than a loss as part of a team if you focus on football and jiu-jitsu you might play football weekly you might play grapple and jiu-jitsu once a quarter um uh, you 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 could you could say no I disagree with you in here but do you believe that a loss can be used to drive future learning? Um, I I believe everything can be used to drive future learning. So whether that's a team sport thing or an individual sport or or something in business or whatever, the like it became um, became like a a catchphrase almost win or learn. Well, why not learn? Just learn, like as in mm. learn, win, learn. Doesn't matter. You, you have an experience, you and and you have an opportunity to learn from it. So, most of my work with athletes has been with with fighters, MMA fighters, uh, UFC athletes that uh, people would be aware of. UFC, um, mm. and um, like I've, I've worked with athletes in loads of other sports, but predominantly MMA and. There's a there's a fight. They, they you were working up to a fight. They have the fight. They either win or lose. Um, and the natural, easy thing is if you lose, it forces you to reflect and figure out what went wrong and what could be done better. And and you see guys make adjustments in, in their training or in their level of commitment or sleep or nutrition or whatever it might be that they're they're working on, even changing gyms and things like that. But I always talk to my athletes after the after the performance. It doesn't matter the result because sometimes a win can can cover up cracks that um, you know that need to be fixed. So whether we win or lose or it's a draw or whatever the result, we will do a a session about taking lessons from this, not just from the the fight itself, but from the preparation. Maybe there was things in the build up that could have been done a lot better. Even things like small little details like when lads have to weigh in the day before the fight mm-hmm. been working towards the weigh-in and then they weigh in friday they make the weight and they sometimes they go nuts with what they're having 
after uh, after the weigh in because they've been craving all this stuff all you know for, like food wise you're talking uh, what's that you're talking about they, they just go nuts eating food yeah they don't eat nuts they eat crap um so th- and and fill themselves up because they've been they've been craving it for so long um that they um you know they just go berserk and eat loads, <laughs> loads of stuff and then feel horrible the next day and it's fight day that day you know so they've they've lost the uh, the connection between why they were actually weighing in it's for the fight the next day that this so nutrition is still connected to performance we have to separate the uh the weigh in as being one thing but you're still on nutrition you're still on performance mode here so there's been a few cases of that with a few different lads that's a, that seems like a small thing but that can have a big impact on how you perform the next day so there's loads of things like that that can happen in the build up like yeah, it's always it's always interesting to be taking lessons it's always interesting to see the little small things that can have a big impact. I've spoken recently to a couple of people about the importance of sleep. Um, and uh, someone said there's a great sleep expert that like it's the greatest performance enhancing drug that an athlete can take that's legal. Um, the likes of Roger Federer will sleep 10 to 11 hours a day. Uh, using Bolt will do nine hours with naps throughout the day. And like uh, these small things you're talking about, nutrition as well. And You've talked about UFC athletes. If I'm not mistaken, I think Max Holloway eats like sugary foods day be- between weighing and his fight as well. And I don't know what impact that could have. I don't know if he does or doesn't anymore, but I know he's spoken about that he has in the past. Um, do you do do you see a difference between the most committed athletes in all aspects and those that uh, uh, and others who don't have that? Uh, full level of commitment like you talk about you know it's not over till you get into that ring oh yeah I mean for sure like it's it's so easy to have a, a goal right like and when I start working with let's say let's keep it on the topic of fighters when I start working with a fighter one of my first questions to them is what what's your goal here with this what do you want to achieve and they'll all say UFC champion or they'll say make it into the UFC or whatever but some of them are actually living the life that leads them down that path and others are far from it and they don't even realize how far from it they are. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just, it, whether it's delusion or whether it's just a lack of knowledge or, or they've been, you know, they've been um, sheltered from reality or whatever it might've been, but you know, the, there's, there's a level of discipline and a level of commitment that's needed to be an elite, elite athlete that regular people on the street couldn't even comprehend. What Would you be able to paint an idea of what like that a day or a yeah. week might look like for an elite athlete? It it's it's so boring most of the time. You can't you can't even believe how boring it would be. Um, now it's better if you love training, if you love what you're doing, if you love the sport, if you're obsessed with the sport, because then it's not boring, right? Then it's, then it's enjoyable because you're going in and you're, you're working on your craft and you're, you're working with your teammates. Cause even though it's an individual sport, you're still working away with, um, with teammates and, and, uh, and, and training partners. But uh, is that, is that noise in the background? No, you're all right. It's not too heavy. Okay. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully it stops in a few seconds. Um, but yeah, so, to a regular person it would be boring because you're training resting eating clean training again resting eating clean bed airy up 
um, food, clean, hydrate, train, rest, train, rest, eat clean, bed. And I like I'm doing it with that tone on purpose because that's the way it is. Um, Weeks on end. And, it, and, and, and people picture all the money and all the fame and all but but the level of discipline it's, that's required for true elitism in, in sports. And I've been lucky enough to be around athletes at the top, top of their sports mm. and seen seen the you know what what it takes to get to that level. Um, and and you know most are not capable of sticking the course because there will be setbacks along the way for sure and um, whether that's losses or injuries or you put in a great performance and you have a great win and you expected xyz to happen afterwards and it doesn't um and and so all these different kind of setbacks but then to stay the course even through all of that stuff um hoping that it works out like believing that it does but you're still hoping because there's luck involved and everything as well so mm. um it's it's um you know that when i watch two top fighters or watching top athletes perform i i'm i'm you know always amazed at the level of of dedication it has taken them to get there um people talk about natural ability and natural talent and to me, that's that's doing a complete disservice to the the work ethic and the commitment and the discipline that that athlete has had to show to get to this point. Yeah, for sure. Um, something you, you know, I'm going to focus on uh, your craft here, which is you know UFC MMA athletes, not UFC specifically, but just just for the purpose of this conversation um, and the questions that I'm going to ask. Um, I've watched some press conferences. I'm a fan of MMA athletes. Um, and sometimes uh, you'll see one fighter say when he stands off and looks into another fighter's eyes, he looked nervous. He didn't want to look at me, blah, 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 blah. But I've also heard that from other people I've ever been involved in the business world that like nerves are good. Nerves show that you, that, that you care, that you're invested. So is it okay to, to be nervous? Does it show that you care? Or like, where's the line between your opponent going, ah, I know he, I know he's fucked too. You haven't, because I'm sure all, all fighters have some form of nervous, especially when they enter the arena three hours before they fight. It'd be, it'd be a weirdo that doesn't have nerves heading into a fight. <laughs> and, and like you, 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 there has to be something kind of wrong with you ordering on on sociopath if you're going into a fight against another trained man in front of a crowd or a trained woman if, it, if it's women's mma and you're not feeling any nerves or fears or doubts that that would be i've never experienced it ever with any athlete and and it would i would worry about the you know that person outside of fighting if they had that it's normal it's okay mm. we don't need to make it a thing it's just part of the experience it, 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 it's just part of the experience of challenging yourself to to this extreme level of of uh, competing in in uh, in MMA. So nerves and fears and doubts, they're fine. And the idea then that you know someone is trying to talk about um, what the other person is feeling and, uh, and 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 their opponent doesn't want it and doesn't want to be there and and they're you know they're beaten before the fight and all this. It's all that's all just talk. That's mm, just talk. Just a Zelda fight. I mean, uh, it it can definitely like the mind games can work if 
you allow them to impact you. You know, all like mind games are just people saying stuff, you know, or 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 their body language and, and, and things like that. But that doesn't need to have any impact on you whatsoever. If you allow it to, when you start to make something out of it and it starts to impact how you're feeling and how you're performing, then then it's worked. But again, it wasn't the mind games themselves that worked. It was you allowing that stuff to impact you. Um, so we can we can prepare for that. Like I've had fighters who have competed against people who, who tend to talk a lot of trash in the build-up. We can just talk about that and, and kind of uh, plan for that ahead and know what's be expected there. We've also had guys who like to talk trash. But again, if you need your opponent to have to show some kind of uh, impact and sh- show that it's it's getting to them, then that's mm-hmm. not your fault because what happens when they don't show some some frailty if they if they if they stand up to what you're saying and they don't really care and then it can backfire. So I just want I just want my athletes to just go out and express themselves as they wish without trying to think about what, what it's doing to the opponent or or what the opponent's doing to them. Just focus on yourself, focus on your own controllables. Dave Collins says that there's nine psychological characteristics to developing excellence, one of them being creating and using support networks. How important are support networks? Yeah, I mean, one of the controllables, I talk about things being controllable or non-controllable for for athletes. Um, Controllables are things like the basic stuff, like your nutrition, your sleep, um, being organized, as in being on time for certain things or having having all your equipment, all that all that boring stuff. Um, how you how you prepare and, and your training, the effort that you're putting in, the way you're talking to yourself, the way you perform on fight night, and your support network, um, and who you choose to allow to impact you, who you choose to allow their words to have any meaning at all. Um, so you have to know who you who's in your circle, who, who, who matters to you, um, whether that's friends and family and teammates, coaches, uh, partner, whatever, but, but some random guy on Twitter can't be in your circle. Um, mm-hmm. so he's, if he's talking to you and saying some stuff that, that shouldn't have no impact. Now it's not as easy as, as saying that just, you know, it, it can be toughest when, when athletes reach a certain level of fame and um, they start they, they don't just start getting fans, they start getting haters. Um, and, um, you know, that can get to you if you're, if you're not aware of it. So just being aware of, of who gets to actually, whose words matter. Uh, so when they say something, it, it really does impact you. That's important. And knowing that that's within your control, who's in that circle. Now, it can't just be that you want to be surrounded by yes men. That's not going to work. Um, sometimes what you... Obviously, what you um, want to hear is not what you need to hear, and you need to have people around you and be strong enough to have people around you that are going to tell you things that you need to hear. Um, and uh, you know that's that's an important thing that that I definitely reinforce with with athletes is is their support support circle and network around them. Body language, uh, and 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 as I'm asking these questions, I'm I'm hoping that people can take lessons from this because a lot of our listeners are probably not elite. MMA athletes and their business owners and they can correlate the differences between what you're talking about and business but body language uh, in the role of an athlete's mood does it play a role in an athlete's mood 
their body language when they're standing tall with their shoulders back and walking with confidence compared to uh, you know potentially slouched and like wearing a suit and feeling good do all those things matter in terms of the mood that the individuals in can they enhance that they can matter but they better not be all you're doing because then it's a house of cards so when when i'm talking about confidence with with athletes you have to earn confidence you can't just feel confident and look good and then go out and and do it you have to have put the work in confidence comes from the preparation the work you've put in can you imagine you're backstage right you're you're warmed up you've got your gloves on you've got your shorts on you've done your warm-up and and a runner comes backstage and says okay you're up next and you make a walk from a dressing room through the backstage area to the curtain where the music's playing and you walk through the curtain and you walk into an arena full of people and you walk down to a cage and there's a there's a guy in there who has trained for eight weeks in advance and he's a professional fighter uh, I don't care how you how you walk out. Is it, the confidence for that is about your work? Did you put the work in? Yes or no? If you put the work in, then you can be confident. So there, there there's too much I think made of this stuff that goes on top of that without people actually doing the work. Because if like for sure, if you put the work in, um. And you have really truly dedicated and committed and 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 are were diligent in your preparation and you didn't cut corners you really put the work in you can you can be proud of that and be confident in that and confident in your ability then to go out and do the task at hand now will will your body language matter at that stage a little bit you know uh, you want to carry yourself in such a way where you've um you know because you've earned the right to carry yourself in that way um and and you know you can get definitely i like you can definitely if you're if you've got cool gear on that can have an impact on you for sure feeling good going out there excited to go out but um i think too often people try to imitate what they see on the on the outside on the surface from people who are high performers so they see the the look and they try to copy the look without really understanding that there's so much more to it than that. There's the work that has to have gone in underneath it. If you put the work in, then yeah, cool, go go look up. But if you haven't put the work in and you put on a suit, you're just fooling yourself and everyone else around you. Um, Good point. And, and people will see through that and it will fall down very, very quickly. Um, but um, so that's, you know, that's, that's my... Um, my take on confidence always is you earn confidence by the way you work and prepare. Then, then the extra stuff can matter. Yeah, for sure. On top of it. Anytime I've ever been angry or frustrated um, and anyone turns around to me and says, calm down, it's never going to calm me down. It does the complete opposite of that. It makes me more riled up. Um, so when you're trying to, uh, let's say calm down a fighter after a uh, round that may have not went their way um, uh, how important of a role does breath control play yeah I mean it's, it's, it's less calming them down and it's more getting them focused on what matters right so in between rounds like you give the example there where a round has not gone your way as in you've clearly 
lost the round and were nearly finished or something like that, you come back to your corner, you're tired and you're frustrated, yeah, but you're also, um, if, if you're not careful, you can start beating yourself up mentally with your self-talk, um, focusing on how bad this is, how heavy he feels on top, how tired you feel, how this didn't go what you wanted, that mistake you made and how bad it was. Um, so what, what I always want my fighters to do in those um, between round times is, yes, take your breath for sure. To just slow it down. Don't, like people have a tendency to pant instead of breathe when they're tired. Um, slow your breath down, control breathing. Um, take control of your breathing. You recover quicker. But then get your mind back to now. Get your mind back to where, where you need to be, which is listening to your coach's instructions because your coach is giving you instructions for what, you know, to correct what just happened. Um, so you need to be in a place to hear that and, and take that on board. And then you also need to be in a place to go and perform the next round. So if you're carrying the last round into this one, it's a terrible place to be. You want to be switched on, back, refocused on where you are now. So recognizing that you've, you've lost the focus um, letting go of the round. If it was a bad round, it's over. It's done. I can't do anything about it now. Let's let's go here and 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 let's start. Uh, let's let's at least be mentally here now, um, because if we're mentally in round one, heading into round two, it's it, round two is going to be worse. It's just going to spiral, spiral, spiral down. Um, so yeah, um, recognizing that focus is not where it needs to be, because focus is never lost. It's just somewhere else. You never lose focus. You're just focused on yeah. something different than you need to be focused on. So knowing what you need to be focused on um, is important, but but then uh, make sure that you are focused and concentrated on that thing. Um, you know that's that's another skill, and we work on this kind of stuff. It's not you can't just turn it on come fight night. You, we work on this in sparring and in training and even conditioning sessions where you know you can start to focus on how hard this is, how tough this is, how tired you are, how um, you have to pay that bill when when you go home. Um, how you're you just had a fight with your partner before you left, and you know all these different things that can be going on. You have to let let that stuff go and get get focused on what you're doing right now. So the the more you practice that in training, the easier it is obviously to to do it when it counts on on the high pressure of a fight night. You uh, you look in great shape for forty years old. Do you still grapple yourself? Well, yeah, I, I can't wait to get back. So the gym is open on July fifth um um back again i i've i've missed it so much i think more than more than anything else during the lockdown i've missed grappling um that's the that's the thing that i have missed the most i mean i miss going to the pub and having a few pints with the lads and all that stuff of course and going out for dinner but i miss grappling strangers hugging strangers more than anything else uh on the mat so i can't wait to get back um and and get going again so i'm getting my vaccine at the weekend and then i do i can't wait to i can't wait to you know things to get back and i and the big the one hopefully one of the big things that happens when things start to get back to normal is people appreciate normal more than they used to um and and i know from from my perspective for sure i will not take for granted going into a class uh of jiu-jitsu or a grappling class and and getting to getting to train you know i'll 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 uh, i'll be grateful for that every time i get to do it because because i know how horrible it was having it taken away for so long if you were to ever write a book what would the title be 
It's a good question. Um, um, you want to be careful. I, I, I guess we'll you know, maybe I'll come to an answer to that by the end of this little rant I'll do. But I, I've seen too many books that um, try to simplify something, and then that becomes the thing um, that it's all about, and it loses a, a lot of the. It loses a lot of the um, the other details that matter. Yeah. Um, you know, it becomes like a, a, a catchphrasey thing. And then that becomes the thing that everyone is, it's the easy takeaway. But that's, again, that's like the, the surface stuff and you've missed all the foundational stuff. So it might be something, I don't know, like about how there's no shortcuts because people are looking for shortcuts. That's why people, a lot of people are reading like sports psychology style books or those kind of things, looking for the answer looking for the thing that's going to make the difference and be the, the shortcut, the magic trick that's going to work. And there, there is no such thing. Um, so it might be something like that. There's, there, there is no such, there is no shortcut. That might be the title. Yeah. You could call it, you could be a contradiction and say the silver bullet to whatever. And then the first page is there is no silver bullet. Yeah. 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 But I, I people, people, titles matter. People won't, people won't, won't read that first page. They'll just read that title. So I, I, mm. I would probably call it, there is no shortcuts. There is no silver bullet yet. I like it. Dave, I've had a, a pleasure chatting to you over the last 30, 35 minutes uh, to get a greater understanding of, of your world. And I hope my listeners can bridge, uh, some gaps between or correlations between the world of elite athletes and business. Um, but from my side, I wish you all the best and nothing but the best and continued success going forward. Cool. Thanks, Ray. And I've, I've enjoyed this a lot. I could have, could have kept going for a lot longer. This was fun. Hey, yo, Metro, I don't trust you. I'm going to show you. Beautiful morning.